Welcome to Making Sense of Parenting. This show is dedicated to helping parents change chaos, confusion, and struggle into calm, clear connections with their kids, all in a way that aligns with their faith. Hey there, I'm your host, Kelly Shoup, helping you navigate the bumpy road of raising kids. Let's dive into today's topic. Hi there. Are you having trouble making sense of your child's behavior? Today, we are in part five, I can't believe it, of our series on the sensory system. And we are talking about the touch or tactile sense today. This is such a big one, and it affects parenting and your child's behavior teaching kids in class, so many different elements of a child's behavior are affected by that tactile touch sense. And so that is what we are going to talk about today. Okay, if you have just found me, if you have just landed here, I am so happy you're here. I'm Kelly Shoup. I am a longtime parenting coach pediatric occupational therapist. I am a mom of three fabulous teenagers, and I'm also a mindset coach. But today, I am going to be wearing my occupational therapy hat, dealing with our sensory system and how incredibly important it is in finding out what our child's behavior is telling us. What is the behavior that looks bad? It looks disrespectful. It looks unsocial. It looks annoying. It looks like your child is high maintenance. It looks like your child is not being loving and affectionate. What are these behaviors actually really communicating from your child? So that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to really quickly give a review on the sensory system. What is it? Why are we talking about it? Okay, the sensory system is a system in every human's body that God created and designed and gave to each person uniquely. So my sensory system is different than yours. It's different than my kids. Each of my kids have a different sensory system. So being aware of that is so important because I know that the way I respond and show up to things with my own unique sensory makeup and sensory system is not going to be the same way my kids will. And so just knowing that like, oh yeah, they're different. I work with a lot of parents who kind of have a mindset of, okay, this is, I'm like this, so surely my kid is like this. And that is not always the case. And it again speaks to that abundance of God. He's always making us unique. Now we're also made similar. And this is how, again, I help parents is I understand that similarity. So we're all made with a sensory system Each of ours is unique, but at the same time, there's different components of that sensory system 
And because I've been helping parents and kids for over 20 years, there are some patterns and some consistencies that I can help parents understand in regard to their kids. Okay, so there are nerve receptors all over our body and they take in information through our senses. Sight, hearing, smell, taste, touch, which is what we're talking about today. Vestibular input, proprioceptive input, also interoceptive input. So all this information comes in from the environment, from the outside world, and it goes up to our brain. And then that information is processed in the brain. It's called sensory processing. How does the brain interpret that information? How does it organize it? What does it need to do to filter out some information? And what does it do with the information that it keeps? And how does it send a message through our arms, through our legs, through our mouth, through our body, in how we react to how that information um, that we got. So how we react to it. And when we react to it, is it appropriate for the environment we're in? So is it socially appropriate? Is it appropriate in school? Is it appropriate, this big movement that a child might do? It might not be okay in this certain situation right at this moment, but normally when they're at home, totally fine. So it's all about knowing kind of in the moment what to do, what not to do, what's okay, how our brains interpreted this information and helping kids, guiding them, teaching them, helping them understand their sensory system and their unique makeup from God and helping them to support themselves in a way that is, again, acceptable and appropriate in whatever particular place they are in. Okay, so with touch or tactile, this is a big area, a big sense, because let's think about this, skin, our skin is affected by touch and how much of our body is skin. We are touched all the time. I'm touched by my clothing. I'm touched by um, the furniture I'm sitting on. So um, kids who are sensitive in their tactile or, or touch sense can need a lot of support and guidance because their skin is affected in lots of different ways all day long. Why am I so incredibly focused on the sensory system? A lot of times parents will say, okay, well, this is just a behavior thing. I don't know why you're talking about that sensory system. Let's just deal with the behavior. Okay, so here's what I want to tell you is that the sensory system when we deal with this first, and I work primarily in those ages of three to eight, this is that critical developmental window when there is so much growth with a young child, so much going on inside their body to learn and grow and develop, and it's happening really fast. 
that birth to six years so much so fast. So that means there are hiccups, and I like to call them a kink in the hose a lot of time in a child's sensory system. So a lot of times we work through, we come up with a few little adaptive behaviors or ways to support a child. And then by the time they are eight or nine, their sensory system is integrated and working well with all the other systems in their body. And so these issues that seem to be huge problems at four, they've kind of disappeared or dissolved. But in those young ages of four and five and six, when these problems are showing up, I am so incredibly sensitive to it because these are the ages that kids get labeled as a troublemaker, difficult, high maintenance, unsocial, doesn't want to you know, play with others, just um, not easy to deal with. And Again, in my very long experience with these kids, they are not meaning to be bad. They are not, they don't want to be unsocial. They are not trying to be difficult. They are not trying to be high maintenance. In fact, God created humans to have automatic responses that will happen to take care of ourselves. And so most kids, when we drill down, Whatever their antisocial, difficult behavior, not being a part of the team or the family, whatever that behavior is, it actually is an indication of this child dealing with their sensory need on their own, and they're trying to go about it in a really healthy way. And so when I can interpret that to a parent and say, you know what, this looks like bad behavior to you. But this was a really good way that your child is trying to deal with the alarm bells and the distress that is going off inside their body in this particular situation. So when I can help parents understand this, it instantly, instantly there is a shift of, oh, okay, my my kid isn't trying to be bad. My kid doesn't want to make me mad. My kid is just trying to deal with what's going on inside them the best way that they can. And again, instantly a parent can get on board and support their child better and give them support and explain to a teacher. And instantly this parent feels like, it's not me. I didn't do this. Actually, God did this. He designed my child to be this sensitive in this particular area. And so... We can go with that flow. Remember, we are going with the flow of how God made each human. That's what he wants us to do. And so in this instance, we're going to go with the flow, but a little bit. And so this is the other thing that I help parents with, with the sensory stuff, is that a lot of parents will say, okay, my kid does not like this. They don't like to go to the beach. They don't like to touch sand. All these things we're just getting rid of, completely do away with so my child is not distressed or, you know, no more, none of this stuff. We're taking it all off the table. And that also is not what I want because I want us to be in the middle. 
with virtue, right? We know we are called to virtue and that virtue is not on one extreme or another. So I'm not all in with having a child be distressed, but experiencing all these sensory things. And I'm also not completely on the other extreme of we're going to totally take it out of their life because these kids have to function in the real world. And I want them to be able to go out every single day and operate well in that real world. So I can't get rid of anything a child is going to touch or that is going to touch their skin. So I like to help parents guide them and let's work on doing this in a really safe, non-distressing way for your child. So their sensory system is experiencing things to their touch, but in a way that doesn't feel like these huge alarm bells are going off that are saying, unsafe, unsafe, distress, get out. Because when those alarm bells are going off that are so loud and distressing, this is when your child has a massive meltdown. Or this is when your child runs out of the house or a classroom or out of soccer practice or has some big explosive behavior because they've been overloaded or overstimulated or experienced this sensation in a way that is really, it's too much. So I want to gently, and again, without distress, try to get your child to tolerate input in this particular sense. Okay, the touch sense has two different ways that it registers that sensation of touch. So the first way that it registers is it registers where that touch is happening. So on the skin, what, where is it? Is it, you know, my finger or what? The other way that it registers that touch sensation, and again, it's sending all this information up to the brain, and then the brain's going to do all this interpreting and processing and filtering out, is it registers, is this dangerous or not? So if a child touches a hot stove, hot, pull back, this is dangerous, but Again, because young kids often will have a little kink in their hose in these young ages, they it doesn't register right. So sometimes I'll have a child who the mom will say, oh, my son is so messy. After every meal, he has food that's all around his mouth. Well, usually there's a reason that child isn't registering that there's food, there's crumbs left on his lip, doesn't feel it, isn't aware of it. So again, this is just showing us this is a glitchy system with these little kids. And so we can just give him some things to do to help him be more aware. And so the food isn't left around his mouth and he doesn't get labeled as messy and, you know, just a slob. So I am, again, so intentional about not having kids internalize and have a label that they carry with them for years 
because of something that was really a God-made sensory system issue. Okay, we're going to talk about some ways that a tactile or touch sensitivity can present in your child. And then we are going to talk about um, some things that you can do about it. Okay. I also want to remind us that a few weeks ago, we talked about over-responders and under-responders. So a child who is an over-responder is easily stressed with too much. Like they don't really need too much touch. And then they're like, whew, I'm at my limit. Okay. Now the under-responders can be two types. They can be the sensory seeking. So a sensory seeking, but still has actually an under-responsive nervous system. These are the kids who have to touch everything. They're touching, touching, touching because they are seeking that sensory input into their touch to help their nervous system go, okay, I'm calm. It's all good. I'm a-okay. My nervous system is okay. And I'm able to engage and do the things that I need to do. Listen to my teacher, talk to my mom, um, not let my baby sister fall off the step. To be available for those things, our nervous system has to be a-okay, calm, all good. Another type of under-responsive nervous system for that tactile or touch is the kid I just talked about. So the one who has food around his mouth, a lot of times he has an under-responsive nervous system. So he isn't registering that that food is sitting on his skin. So he would need more or he would need hot food that might register. And so it's again, knowing which type of responsiveness your child has to their particular sense and then helping them accordingly. Now, in regard to all of this sensory system, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I'm just trying to make it digestible and hopefully helpful for you parents. But I have a depth of knowledge in regard to each of the senses that really, again, we're just, this is the tip of the iceberg. But if this is an issue for you, or your children, no, I can go all the way to the bottom. I have books and years of education on the sensory system and sensory integration and what do more serious issues with the sensory system look like and how would we treat that. So please feel comfortable knowing that, that I am very well trained in this and that again, this is just the tip of the iceberg to hopefully help parents get some quick, easy ways to understand what their child's behavior is communicating. Okay, so a child who is could be an over-responder, could be an under-responder. Here's what some of these kids look like. If you have a child who is excessively ticklish, over-responder to that touch sensation. You tickle them just a little bit and they are like, oh my goodness, too much. The child who has a hard time transitioning. 
is a child who often can be touch or tactile over responsive. So this is a child who um, might be the one who's saying, mom, can we please get to school early um, so I can put my backpack up before all the rest of the kids get there? It gets so crowded in that backpack area and there's kids flinging around and I've gotten hit with the backpack. This is the child that is wanting to get to school early to not experience all the ways that their skin, they could get touched. And that's a very fair request. But this would be the child who, you know, like, oh my goodness, you know, we can't get there early because we have your three other siblings and they don't want to get there early. And it's really uncool for, you know, older sister to stand on the playground with all those boys playing soccer. It's all the stuff, right? So I'm helping you navigate all of it, but this could be a very, um, good way for this child to come up with a solution to distress that is affecting their touch sensation every day when they are at school. It could look like a child who doesn't want to be hugged by grandma and grandpa. It could look like, um, and I get this a lot, um, and help parents here is boys who do not want to play the sport that is the family sport. And here in Texas, we're big into football. So this could be your son, and maybe this is son number three, and he does not want to play football. And grandpa's telling him he just needs to toughen up and get out there because all the Smith boys play football. And your son is completely petrified every time he puts on first the gear, if he's playing tackle, all of those different things touching his body can be so alarming. And then he has to go stand on a field and then he's going to have to have people run at him and touch him and tackle him. Even more distressing. And so just realizing, ooh, okay, this could be an area that I need to rethink. Why does my son not want to do this sport? And so non-contact sport is a way that you could help this child. So that knocks out lacrosse and basketball and water polo and soccer. What else? Football. There are so many sports that are a contact sport, but you can help guide your son to find one. Baseball. That doesn't have to be. Yes, he could get hit when he slides, but it's a little less contact. Golf, tennis. So there are some that, again, I want you to support your son in a way that he can be fit and active and have that um, team sport to be a part of sports, but in a way that feels right to him, a way that feels okay in his body. Okay, let me see what else. Kids who will not engage quickly at a playground or at a park. A lot of kids will go stand on the outskirts at the park or the playground. And it's because, again, they do not want to have 
somebody run into them. They don't want to get hit by a swing that they didn't see coming. It's very distressing and alarming to them. And so the kids who have a hard time transitioning, it is usually these kids who are afraid something new, if they're transitioning from one activity to another activity, that that new thing that they're going to do is a way that is threatening to them, especially if they have never experienced it. So I'll have parents say to me, well, my child never wants to go, you know, do do the new thing. We're going to the zoo. We're going to this. We're going to travel. We're going to be in a new city. And my child's attitude is they don't want to do any of it. This is a child who could possibly be threatened. Every new place that they're going to go is the possibility of new things touching them that feel alarming and attacking and threatening to them. And so give yourself permission to really just observe and look for the clues that your kids are giving you. Listen to the feedback of teachers and others. And again, almost always, it is not a bad behavior, unsocial means to be annoying or disturbing or distressing or high maintenance. It is a way your child is trying to take care of themselves. Okay, so I have a whole other list and you can shoot me a message. You can come find me in my monthly membership where I help parents with this topic all the time. Okay, I want to give you a few ways that you can help your child if they are struggling in regard to their touch and tactile sense. The first way that I think is the most helpful is educate others. So educate your family members. Okay, we are coming to Thanksgiving dinner at grandma and grandpa's house, but you know what? When, you know, Timmy shies away from hugging grandma and grandpa, hug him hello and hug him goodbye. That doesn't feel good in his body. So you can say, you know what, mom, Timmy's going to give you a fist bump or he's just going to give you a peace sign and he loves you, but this feels better for him right now inside his body. So I want the teachers to know. I want a coach or a tutor or a dance instructor to know. This is a sensitivity my child has at the moment, and this is how you could support them. So I can help you with things to support your child, and that is so helpful to them. Because again, they're available for dancing if they're not worried that they're going to have distressing alarm bells going off in regard to touch. And that's what I want. I want your child to experience dance, experience all the different things that the world has to offer them, but just in a way that feels safe and a-okay to them, okay? So educating the people that are in your kid's world is super important so they know, okay, this kid just has a little kink in the hose right now for their touch sense. And again, a lot of these little kinks get completely worked out. So what's an issue at four at age eight and nine? It's not even any longer on our radar because we have dealt with it. Now, sometimes it stays a little bit of a sensitivity, but 
every human has that a sensitivity here, there in one of their senses or not. Okay. Um, another way that we can support our kids and I would imagine all of you have had a child in your presence who hates slime, doesn't want to touch icky things, can't stand dirt or mud or anything on their hands. Maybe didn't like hand sanitizer during COVID. I had a couple kids who were like, no, can't touch that. That is a child who is, again, touch sensitive. And so I often will ask kids, okay, can you help me think of an idea? How could we keep your hands clean? What would feel good to your hands? And I'll be darn, almost every single child that I ask, they can come up with a solution that is very appropriate for their age. Even at usually three, they can say, oh, I could do this. So for this child that I was working with who did not like hand soap that was a bar. He did not like um, the gel hand sanitizer. He would not use liquid hand soap. He had to have clean hands. This was a dilemma, right? What were we going to do? How was he going to survive school? So I just asked him, I said, what do you think would feel good? How could we keep your hands clean and not have you so worried and stressed about this? And he said, a hand wipe. So he very quickly was able to solve this and we had a good result. Mom could put hand wipes, individually packed hand wipes in his backpack, wherever he was headed. He could have clean hands. He wasn't distressed. His nervous system was okay and all was good. So this is again, always my goal. I want to support you to support your kids in the best way. So ask them, what do you need? How can I support you here? Because Almost 100% of the time, a child can come up with a way, come up with an idea that possibly helps them, okay? Um, another way, modify the schedule. So let's talk about, um, on my stories today, I talked about a color run. You want your family to go do a color run. It's going to be so fun. It's for a great cause. Everybody's going. We're going to have all kinds of colored powder flying at us, and it's going to be amazing. Now, your kid who is touch sensitive is thinking that is my idea of hell, to have all kinds of different powders and sprinkles and things that are going to touch my entire body. Not fun. Scared. A lot of times these kids are scared, and they have gotten the message not to say anything. Because somewhere along the way, they're like, oh, no, nope, don't, don't, don't voice that because they've been taught. No, just go with the flow. You're fine. You're fine. You're going to be fine. This is no big deal. Now, again, parents, don't feel bad if you have said this to your kids because you didn't know. But now you do know. I can help you understand the sensory system. And for a child who is touch sensitive, a color run can be so distressing. So we can say, you know what? You don't have to do the actual running part where the powder is going to get launched at you. You can stand at the starting line and you wait for the rest of us that are going to go run this two mile or 2K or whatever it is. 
And they can be at the starting line and they can be at the finish line. So they can absolutely participate with you. But that part that is alarming and distressing to them, they don't have to experience that. And so I am often giving parents permission. You do what you need to do to support your kids the best that you can for right now. Okay. So it, um, it all boils down to you asking for what you need for your child. And it's not going to be like this forever, but again, we want them to feel safe and supported. Kids need to know that they can count on their parents to have their needs met, to feel safe. I always want kids to know themselves well. So this means, okay, this is what your sensory system looks like right now. This is what it needs right now. This is what you need to feel safe and helping them get it. Have kids learn to ask for, um, you know, a little bit of grace. So it could be with the teacher. Hey, can I, can I go get my backpack before school's going to get out? just a little bit early, like two minutes before the bell is going to ring. So again, I don't have to be in that crunch of kids and getting touched and a backpack flinging at me and something hits my head. And most teachers are like, sure, go ahead and get it. Or you be the first one in line who's going to grab your backpack and head out the door. So give your kids grace, look for the clues, ask them how you can support them, and then educate others. So they will know this is what's going on with my child. This is what my child needs at the moment. Okay, let me help you. Come find me, Kelly K. Shoup on Instagram, my website, www.kellykshoup.com. Did you like what you heard in this episode? If you did, please share it with a friend and be sure and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app. Reviews are always appreciated. As a reminder, my show is also on YouTube. In YouTube, search for Kelly K. Shoup. That's K-E-L-L-Y-K-S-H-O-U-P. Be sure to click the subscribe button and hit the bell for all notifications. To learn more about my work, helping families, or to contact me, go to kellykshoup.com. Again, that's kellykshoup.com. Thanks so much.